Hello, beautiful, and welcome to Finding Fertility. I'm your host, Monica Cox from FindingFertility.co, and I created this podcast to help get you to start thinking outside of the box and realize that your infertility might have nothing to do with your lady bits. Rooted in functional medicine and personal experience, Finding Fertility is all about looking at the whole body and finding the root cause of your infertility. Finding Fertility does not diagnose, prescribe, or treat any issues of infertility. But what we do is take a holistic approach and improve your diet and your lifestyle to get you steps closer to creating your dream family. Just by being here with me, listening to this podcast, you're already going down the right path to making your dreams come true. Let's do this together. Hello, beautiful. Welcome back to another episode of Finding Fertility. I'm your host, Monica Cox, and I'm really excited to have Kyleen Torhune on. We are going to talk about a subject that you probably think has nothing to do with fertility issues. Um, And hopefully it doesn't for you, but this conversation I think might resonate for a lot of women. So welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to talk with you today. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So let's just get a little bit of background about who you are and what you do. Sure. So my name is Kyleen and I am a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. I'm an NLP life coach um, and I specifically work with women on sexual betrayal trauma recovery. So I use a combination of modalities so I can work on their physical health, their mental and emotional health, and of course, dealing with the actual trauma itself. So we have a lot of uh, modalities and exercises that I bring in to help women actually get through the recovery process. And so I really am a little bit unique in that aspect because um, a lot of women that work with betrayal uh, may not actually bring in the physical aspect of it too. So I try to make it as well-rounded as possible because trauma does impact your physical health so much. So we kind of get to hit it from all angles. So yeah, exactly. And this conversation is actually really dear to my heart, even though I haven't experienced it, um, knock on wood. Um, but one of my dearest friends has um, a huge, huge story surrounding this. And actually, I've had clients um, talk about these types of issues, um, either with past boyfriends or or actually their spouse that they're trying to conceive with. And I think it is a really big issue. And obviously, I appreciate um, you obviously being an FDMP and taking the physical route too, because it's a combination. And we really have to look at the body as a whole and um, really work out like, okay, where do we need to hyper-focus? And then where do we need to shift to? And it, it's kind of like an ever-evolving healing process. So I think that's super cool. Yeah. And, and I mean, everyone pretty much knows someone, right? It's when you kind of get into this world of infidelity and betrayal, it is really depressing and shocking, honestly, how prevalent it is and mm-hmm. how how many women this is happening to. I specifically work with women whose husbands are, um, who they discovered were hiding like a porn addiction or a sex addiction. So it's very specific and niche. But if you even open that a little bit more broadly, it's like, it's really everywhere. Like everyone knows someone. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. And, you know, this is not like shaming or blaming because I do think for a lot of the guys that go through it, there's like really big mental and emotional aspects on their part, right? This isn't like, oh, typical guy stuff. Like, 
the actual reality is when these things are getting exposed, there's some really root cause for the guys. And obviously our society has been like, men don't talk about feelings and even women, right? <laughs> like, yeah, um, that does cool. Absolutely. Because underneath every addiction is trauma and, and emotional wounds because addiction is a self-medicating process. And so all it tells you when something has become a compulsion or an addiction is that this person is really hurting and they have found a coping mechanism that is incredibly unhealthy to try to fill a healthy need. Now, I'm not saying sex is the need. The wound underneath this is typically something like I'm unwanted. And so when they don't have a healthy coping mechanism or they haven't dealt with that emotional wound or they haven't dealt with the trauma that caused that belief. Um, created that belief in their body, which probably happened at a very young age for most of these people, then um, they man it manifests in things like compulsions and addictions. And that's how it shows up. So I always um, that, you know, in my course I'm creating right now for women who have just discovered it, I actually have a module on understanding addicts because I do think that that's really important that we do uh, really get, first of all, how it impacts the brain, but like, why is this happening? Because it, because men can go into sobriety and struggle for their whole life, but recovery means that they're actually addressing the emotional wounds and the trauma that's underneath it. And that is incredibly freeing because while the process is difficult, because they have to feel these feelings that they have numbed out for so many years, the benefit is this um, emotionally intelligent, mature person who has now dealt with all of this pain and they're able to express empathy to their partner. And, and one of the biggest differences between sobriety and recovery is sobriety, you can still really struggle and you can still be in limbic brain and you can still have these emotional outbursts and all these different things. Recovery, when you really dealt with the root of it, which is what you're talking about, you're expressing empathy. You're not really struggling to stay in sobriety anymore. This is your new healthy life. And all of those wounds and um, traumas are in the past now. They're mm -hmm. not ruling your life. And, and then you are actually living out of the prefrontal cortex and the reason part of your brain instead of the limbic part. So it's a completely different reality for them and recognizing that it is trauma and emotional wounds, I do think is incredibly important for the addict and for the spouse, because if we act like it's anything other than that, we're setting them up to struggle yeah. um, by recognizing that and not addressing it. Yeah. So this might be like a sticky, um, like question, but in my experience, um, you know, the, the receiving end, right. There's some type of accountability there as well. Like they didn't, make their partners do any of these things, but there's definitely some type of behavior of um, enabling it for... Yeah, I'm going to have to disagree with you. That's the okay. really old therapeutic model called codependency. Okay. And um, in the sexual betrayal trauma world, nine out of 10 times, that's not true. So if you were somebody that maybe did discover it and then enabled the behavior and you were not setting boundaries and you were not addressing it, okay. you might... Yeah, there fall into that category. Yeah. But okay. most women who discover that their, their husband has a secret sex addiction knew absolutely nothing about it. Yeah. There were no flat red flags. They had like, in my example, um, just very specifically, we had so many conversations about this. I was not intentionally living in denial about it. I had, he very much knew what my perspective on pornography use was and, um, infidelity and cheating and all this. We had so many conversations before we even got married, we had had a conversation about it throughout our marriage. 
I don't even know, I'd say dozens, if not hundreds of conversations that naturally come up through the course of life, right? And um, and I had no, absolutely no red flags to know that this was going on, no reason to not trust him, no reason to look into things or to, you know, to dig into it at all. And so for that reason, and, and that's most women that find themselves in this case, for that reason, it is an incredibly shocking trauma because there is no warning and you just end up discovering it one day and really learning that your life up to that point that you thought was one reality was a lie. And so yeah. that's one of the reasons that it's like super, um, super, super traumatizing is because you were not doing anything to intentionally enable this or be aware of it on any level. Yeah. Like, that's why I say it's like a sticky, like conversation is like, I, there, you're right. There's two sides to it because, um, I have seen someone enable the behavior and it get like worse, 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 and worse. And you're sitting there going like, there's no boundaries. There's no, none of this. Right. And then, yeah, like people just finding out and like, bam. And so it's where they are, are enabling or they are codependent it you're absolutely right it's super important to recognize that and um part of what happens there if it is codependency that the wife needs to seek um therapy to work on that because mm -hmm. that is an unhealthy dependence on that person and she needs to learn how to feel more independent and confident in who she is away from that person the other part though is and i think this might even be more prevalent than, than actual codependency is that there's just not education around this. So if a, if a woman finds out that her husband is looking at pornography and we don't talk about it and she doesn't have anyone to look to and she hasn't heard the term sex addiction, then what is she going to do, right? Like what boundaries is she going to set into place? <laughs> like if she doesn't know that, you know, there are these tools and resources and people she can talk to. And so I think sometimes that happens too is there's there's a bunch of different scenarios i think you're absolutely right there's codependency for sure that has to be addressed um there's the shock and the betrayal and that's that's another thing and then there's i knew but i didn't know i could do anything about it because i didn't i never heard of these terms before yeah and i know that you know you faith is a very important part of your life and i grew up religious and actually my friend that has dealt with this is very religious and um, I know there's a lot of talk when these things kind of come up of like, well, the man needs more or the man has different needs. And it does come from a religious standpoint, right? Like, I'm, I know it comes from other places, but let's just answer this question for people who are like, well, my priest told me that the man needs to ejaculate every single day. Like, you know, just kind of that, that kind of mindset that um almost is like gaslighting for women right and we're not saying like look if you're cool with your husband watching porn like that's that's a different we're not having that conversation we're not shaming porn like that's not the conversation is how you feel in your relationship and your boundaries but then you're being told all these things by people you look up to or you know um like have always kind of been told like this is the this is not the law but like you know what i'm trying to say so yeah. What's, uh, um, what's your wisdom on that? Yeah. So in, um, I think what you're mentioning is there's a myth floating around the Christian community that women will read in a lot of Christian marriage books that makes you want to vomit that says yeah. a man has to ejaculate every 72 hours for his health. <laughs> yeah. Right. And you know, a white man wrote that in that book. <laughs> it's, um, it's absolutely false. Um, and you know, here's, here's one of the reasons that por pornography is so 
so damaging, actually. I mean, there's a, a million reasons that we could go into, but one of them is this lack of self-control. You're running out of the limbic brain and um, you're you know, doing this compulsive behavior regularly, if not daily, and your testosterone actually lowers because of that. Not, not to even talk about the objectification of women or how it changes your view of your partner and all these other things. But with self-control, so this concept of them having to ejaculate every 72 days is such garbage because actually when they have self-control and you're not ejaculating on a daily basis or even every three days, your testosterone actually increases. So it's actually, there are physiological benefits to not only connecting with another human on an emotional level without objectifying, but on an emotional level. And then also the, the piece of self-control. So there are a lot of myths and it is unfortunate because um, the church is very uneducated in the concept of sex addiction. And they also, there's the purity culture. I mean, there's a lot of shame around sex in general. And so a lot of the conversation in the church is not around what it should be, which is healthy sexuality. And instead it's about shaming you. And so people find themselves in this place where they just view all sex as bad and men are never taught. So one thing, um, kind of backing up here, back to the objectification, one thing that they're taught in church basically is, you know, bounce your eyes and like, you know, it's essentially this concept that you can't look at a woman without lusting it after her and it's absolute garbage, right? What the church should be teaching is how to view women as a human being, not an object, because that is the reality. And what's fascinating to me is that our brains are not that different between male and female. Women can get to the place that men do with addictions and with lusting and with objectifying as well. But I think one of the reasons that that doesn't happen as prevalently, because it does happen, but maybe not as much is because in society, we're literally not taught that that's how our brain works, but men are taught, this is how your brain works. And it's literally put into their subconscious over and over and over and over again, that if they see a woman, this is what happens. And I just don't think that's true. That's not naturally how it, it works. I think if you are taught to, um, from a young age, view women as women, view women yeah. as human beings. And if you're taught um, what healthy sexuality looks like, you know, physical intimacy is supposed to be an expression that comes out of emotional intimacy. And, and, you know, when you're taught those things in a healthy way, then I think it changes the game. And that's essentially what recovery is for the addict is learning how to, how to do those things. Um, But you're right. The message in the church is um, incredibly frustrating and women will go to their pastor and, or priest and have, have them say, I mean, really, really hurtful things. Like, well, did you have enough sex with him? Or, you know, did you wear lingerie or, well, you're, you're clearly the problem. Right. And it's just not true. Um, You know, there's nothing that a woman could do. You can't be pretty enough. You can't have enough sex with him. You can't be wild enough. It doesn't matter if this is unresolved in his life, it's going to be unresolved. And you see that too, right? I mean, look at, um, who's the celebrity couple that that's splitting right now. Is it Giselle Boonchkin? I mean, she's a model for Pete's sake. Oh, you know? Tom Brady. Oh yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know many celebrities and I only right? know this because my son is like football mad. <laughs> I mean, you see, you see all of these um, examples in society where you literally have the most beautiful woman, you know, that society would consider absolutely stunning and her husband has an affair, right? Yeah. So there really is nothing you can do as the spouse if this is an unresolved issue in your in your husband's life. Yeah, and I really want to highlight that point on like all levels of things, right? And for both people, like it, it's all within you or it's all within them. And you can only help and guide and support them, but 
the you you each have to take radical responsibility for yourselves for your healing for your emotions for your past traumas and whether you can do that together or you might need to do it separately as well like I always say like I mean my best friend's gonna listen to this and she, she knows we're really honest you know I've always told her I was like it's like an alcoholic sitting in a bar and being able to say sober I was like, that's basically what you're trying to do right now. And even though they're both putting in the effort, like, fuck the effort, the effort, the effort. It's just kind of like, sometimes you just need your own space. How do you feel about that? Oh my gosh. I always say that my priority is your physical, mental, and emotional health, not the status of your marriage. I care more mm-hmm. about you as an individual than I do if your marriage survives. It's not that I'm anti-marriage. It's not that I'm pro-marriage. If um, it, it, It's all about the health of the situation. And I, not to bash the church, because again, I am a Christian and I love Jesus, <laughs> um, but you know, the church really does get some things wrong around this because typically one of the reasons you get such negative messaging from them is that they will naturally prioritize your marriage mm-hmm. over your health. And so that's where a lot of the damaging messaging comes in. So I also really say that if you're, if you are going to stay in the relationship, so let's say your husband is like, I'm on board. I want to um, jump into recovery. I recognize the damage that this has caused you and how much it hurt you. I'm taking responsibility, et cetera. Great. And you don't get to get off the hook because I know one of the most natural reactions in the world. And for the first couple of months, I had this too, is fuck you, dude. This is your problem, not mine. And the reality is, is that if you stay with a recovering addict, you are going to be faced with all of your insecurities, all of your fears, all of your unresolved trauma is going to come up. And so any limiting decision or negative emotion that you have stored is going to come at you in this moment. And so it's very unhealthy for you to say, okay, I'm going to stay in this relationship, but not deal with any of my trauma, um, either from the past that is coming up now or because of this. And so I really, really, really encourage women that they take their recovery during this process as seriously as um, their husbands, because if you want to end up in a healthy, vulnerable, honest, communicative, happy, and that's the key word, right? Happy mm-hmm. relationship with your spouse after all of this, it takes a lot of recovery from both of you. You can't just sit there and watch him recover and then sit here um, you know, never doing anything to get over your grief and your sadness and your anger that has come out of this. Yeah. And do, go sometimes, ahead. Oh, sorry. Sometimes when he's not uh, willing, like you mentioned, it's the healthier choice to leave. So whether you feel like you just can't resolve it with this person, even if he is recovering or he's choosing not to recover and he continues to hurt you, you can always change that environment for yourself and choose recovery alone. And that's always an option too. Yeah, exactly. Um, I just had a brain fart of what I was going to ask you, but what do you think about past relationships? Okay. Say you are in a really healthy relationship um, now, but either the relationship that you were in, there was some betrayal or even a relationship before your marriage, there was betrayal and you never dealt with it. Like you never got to speak about it or you just kind of brushed it under the rug and everything's rosy now. Do you feel like people carry that trauma with them and, or what's your thoughts about that? Yeah. Um, I would say, I know that they carry that trauma with them and I can use my own personal example again, cause yeah. I can just check off every box. So I was, <laughs> uh, 
I was married before and my husband cheated on me and, um, and I got divorced and that was my choice then. And then, you know, in this situation, different person, different response to the betrayal. And I stayed. And, uh, when this betrayal happened, a lot of what I call trauma debris came up for me from my past. And so I know that that was in there. And the thing is, what, what our brain does is it stores memories and feelings and sensations that are similar in these little buckets. So things that feel similar are all going to be titled anger, and they're going to be carried around in this little grouping of memories and emotions and sensations. And you carry that along life. And then anytime something else that matches that feeling, it gets put into the bucket. And the issue is if we don't start addressing the things in that bucket, that weight ends up being carried with us our whole life. But if we are active in addressing the pain and the beliefs that we create from all these situations, like, you know, I'm not enough, right? Or I'm not beautiful enough, or I am, you know, whatever I can't, or I won't. Those are, you know, limiting decisions that come out from these that are created from these external experiences that we have that, that happen to us in life. And so, yeah, when they're not addressed, you can deal with it in your own way and move on and get into a new relationship. But I would say most of the time, if not every time, there's something in there that is going to come with you into that new relationship. So whether it is just a level of, um, you know, I don't trust people that I'm with, you know, that causes maybe some conflict in conversations because you're carrying that lack of trust from your previous relationship, or if it's more of a, uh, you know, insecurity in your body image or whatever the, the extreme pain points were for you that were unresolved in that time, you're going to carry them with you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it takes that, that next trauma, that next betrayal or that next moment to maybe show you what those are. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's like really hard because that's self radical realization, right? And that you're not subconsciously doing this to yourself, but because of your, your belief system that you don't know about, you're actually attracting that to you even though you don't think so and this was like a harsh reality to me just to get like a little bit personal that like I thought I didn't marry my father <laughs> like like and in in like 70 percent of the way I didn't but in the emotional connection department I absolutely married my father and because I was so emotionally cut off my husband who I've been with for 22 years and we will probably die together. Um, and I'm lucky that I have a partner that we're growing together and he he's recognizing and I'm recognizing things, but it was a harsh reality of like, Oh my God, I married someone totally emotionally con- like disconnected because I was disconnected. Right? right. And I attracted that. And um, so sometimes it's really hard because it's not your fault but when you realize like, oh, I literally control everything in my environment and I just kind of laser beam that person in. Um, so I think that's it. It's a, how do you think people get there? Well, um, there's a couple of things. Um, one thing that was coming to mind while you were talking is that uh, I'm going through another uh, betrayal transformation certification right now. Cause I can't, I'm a certification junkie. Yeah, I just can't stop. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> I love it. It's too much fun. And um, I love to learn and I love to teach. But but the thing that came to mind is something that uh, she said in one of the videos the other day. And, and it kind of really stuck with me is uh, the getting a, a betrayed again is a sure sign that your initial betrayal wasn't healed. 
Mm-hmm. Because yeah. that makes me so sad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because when you heal, when you truly heal and recover from betrayal, you are now this person that sets boundaries. Yeah. And your internal identity has changed. So if those patterns and habits and beliefs and filters are not adjusted, um, then you know you do exactly what you're saying, which is continue these patterns right yeah and another way to kind of think about this is perception is projection so what you see in other people is usually something that you're dealing with in your own life yeah a lot of times if you're irritated by something that your friend is doing it's because it's like reflecting something that's inside you that you don't like Mm -hmm. um so there's a lot of that kind of that goes on sometimes but when it comes to betrayal itself um, that that's one of the reasons I really encourage women to take the responsibility to face all of the the pain and the reality of it and not to try to numb it themselves. Cause then you're kind of falling into the same pattern the addict did, right? Mm-hmm. Well, this hurts too much. So I'm going to deny, or I'm going to stay in anger because that feels a little more like in defense mechanism, right? As opposed to feeling the, the pain, the vulnerability, the suffering, but when you're willing to do literally whatever it takes <laughs> to process, um, the reality of the situation and to get the trauma support from it, then this, this really beautiful growth is what really lies on the other side. You get to really choose this new identity, who you really are moving forward. And I'm one thing that I think is like the coolest thing is women say, I just want to go back to who I was before all this happened. And I'm sorry, you can't, but I can say we can do better than that. Yeah. It's a better version. It's a better version. It's a 2.0 version because you don't want to go back to the same person you were then because now you are stronger. You are more empowered. You understand more about the world. Maybe you're a little less naive, but that's okay. You know, that created some strength in you. And so I think the 2.0 version is way better. It's hard to get there, but I think it's, it's a way better version. Yeah. And I think uh, infertility is the same thing. Like they talk about, I just wish I wasn't in this like bubble and like hyper-focus. And I said like, yeah, like going back into your twenties, maybe, or your teen years, I'm like, yeah, let's just take the better version of that. You're healthier, you're wiser, you're more conscious. You're going to become a better mother, a wife, you know, a person. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you on that. It's, it's, um, it is a process and you have to be willing What's your favorite, I mean, other than FDN, um, I mean, actually all my listeners know all my woo-woo stuff, but what, what are your subconscious mind hacks, not hacks, but modalities that you like to use? Because we know the testing, we know to get on the diet, we know to do all that stuff. But like you say, it's all subconscious, right? So what's your modalities that you like to use? So I use QTT, which is quantum time technique. Talk about making it sound woo. (laughs) Uh, But really it's another term for it is subconscious reprogramming. If anyone is familiar with the less woo modality EMDR, it it works very similarly in the brain to that, where we address specific beliefs, emotions, traumas, events, um, in a really safe way because your subconscious will not bring anything to the surface that it's not ready to address. Yeah. The reason I like it a little bit better than EMDR and I've used both. I think both are incredibly valid. EMDR helped me a lot. Um, and I used it a lot before I found QTT. Um, the reason I like QTT a little bit more is because instead of going straight into the current event, which is usually where EMDR starts, we ask kind of where I was talking about that bucket of emotions that you Mm -hmm. carry around in life. 
we ask your subconscious to take us to the first experience that that happened. So if you are feeling a certain way, um, uh, an emotion that is really stuck because of betrayal, we're going to ask your subconscious to take us to the first time that decision, that belief, that emotion was established in your body. And nine times out of 10, it's when you were a child. Yeah. So that's when, you know, all of those beliefs are created. Right. And so, um, we are able to go back to that initial event. This, the other piece that I think is really different. And I like a lot is that we take positive learnings away from it. So, you know, when we're processing a trauma, yeah, we kind of want to put it away and get rid of the emotional charge so that it's not ruling our brain, right? We want to kind of file it away safely in our brain. Um, and, and EMDR will do that. But the difference with, between EMDR and QTT is that we're going to actually pull out anything we need to keep from that event, anything that is a positive learning or something that we can take with us and apply to the rest of our life events from that moment to today. And that's a really um, empowering and nervous system calming um, uh, process where you're really pulling out all these beautiful, um, learnings and meanings from these different events. Yeah. And so we, that is a little bit different, not really helped. Um, so really the QTT process covers, we identify limiting decisions that you've made, limiting beliefs, and then we will replace them with a new chosen belief, a new chosen identity. So there's a lot of like positive replacement that I think yeah. kind of sets apart and really helps as you are moving forward and choosing the identity that you want. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I use Site K. Um, I don't know if you've heard of that modality, but it's the same thing. It is like identifying the limiting belief and switching it to a positive. And then you re yes. you replace that and it's quick, efficient. Um, yeah, I totally it's agree with last. that positive. <laughs> yeah, it's going to last. It's not. And I think these modalities that are coming out now that I'm sure have been around for years, but just not exposed enough for, you know, um, us to really grasp onto. I like the fact that we don't have to do the dark night of the soul. We don't have to like get down and like, I mean, I've done a lot of inner child work and I love emotional freedom tapping, but like you got to get down to some like deep places, you know, to like get back up and replace that emotion and, and that experience and to be able just to switch that limiting belief that is like literally ruling your life. Like even a simple statement of I am worthy, right, can just be life changing for people. Oh, yeah, okay. absolutely. And I think that's an important point because people do get scared if they were going to do trauma therapy or, or trauma techniques, or I have to address my trauma or whatever. And that's yeah. terrifying, right? Um, so recognizing you just have to tap into the memory or the emotion, and then we pull you out of it and work on the positive aspect of it. Um, yeah, in a really, really safe way can be yeah. reassuring. Yeah, exactly. That's really amazing. Um, well, you are just a wealth of knowledge and thank you so much for coming on and just being super honest and having a really raw conversation. Let our listeners know where they can find you. Yeah, well, uh, you can find me on TikTok. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Not many people hang out there. I love it. <laughs> no, you can, you can really find me on any social media. So at Kyleen Turkune for TikTok, at Kyleen Turkune on Instagram. And I have a private group on Facebook called Recover You. So um, recover and then the letter U. And I'm doing some interviews in there as well. So um, you can see a lot of my social media content, you know, my videos and stuff in there, but then also some interviews that I, that I pull in from different practitioners too. So I'm kind of a little bit of everywhere. Nice. Nice. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and sharing this with us. And I'm sure we'll connect again in the future.
Thank you so much, Monica. We really appreciate it. Pleasure. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Finding Fertility podcast. If you're loving this podcast, please leave us a rating and review and let us know how this podcast is supporting you to get steps closer to creating your dream family. I hope you have a beautiful weekend and we will see you next Friday for another episode of the Finding Fertility podcast.